D-S-N-Y. Yankees are way ahead in this game. This is this is going swimmingly. I'm enjoying watching Clint Frazier right now. Yes. All right. Let's let me intro the podcast first because I know if we start talking about Clint Frazier, I'm going to forget again. Uh, this is episode 67, I think, of the Bleacher Creatures podcast presented by Elite Sports New York, Crossing Broad, and Warwick Gaming. As always, brought to you by Rivercrest NYC, and our boy Clint Frazier is back. So and bad. He is tearing it up it's ridiculous i mean currently as we speak he's a triple shy of the cycle and he is just falling out there it is incredible to watch oh i missed him so much it's just everything with clint since we got him has just felt like he's just not getting the chance that he really deserves and this might be his one shot this year with john carlos stanton on the injured list exactly and earlier today i mean with the um with the reporters in the Zoom room, he literally, quite literally said that he feels like he's the best player that he can be right now, and he's ready to show it. And then, boom, first at bat, monster home run. Second at bat, line drive single. Third at bat, double down the left field line. I'm all in. I'm in. I mean, we've been in on Clint Frazier. This isn't anything new. We love us some red thunder. Everyone else seems to hate him because of his defense. First of all, that's why the designated hitter position exists. Uh, second of all, I mean, he's looked fine in right field to me tonight. I think so, too. And he was out there early also working on his defense as well. And I'm sure he's been working on it at the alternative site. So he, the problem with people is they don't think that he's aware that he has defensive issues. They're like, oh, he just thinks he's such a good hitter that he'll just get away with just being a good hitter. Well, first of all, in the American League, and actually now the National League, you can. <laughs> That's totally possible. You can be Absolutely. in the everyday lineup and not put on a glove a single time all year. Absolutely. But he knows why he was sent down, and he talked to Boone. He talked to Cashman after he was sent down the last time and said, what can I do? What do I need to work on? What do I need to do? And he went and he worked on his defense. So you know what? Kudos. I love it. Kudos to him. Uh, it was super heartbreaking to hear about the conversation he had with Aaron Boone. Like, what is my part in this team? Where is my role? What am I here for? That was super heartbreaking to hear. Uh, but I mean, he's got a shot now. And I think people really overlooked the fact that there were no Clint Frazier defensive issues before he had his concussion. Was he a great defender? No, but he was perfectly passable out there I mean, we were grooming him to take over left field from Brett Gardner do you think we would have done that if we went to the Indians and said hey like this Clint Frazier kid tell us about him well he can hit a ton you're not going to want to put him in the field though at all it's just a total black hole defensively anything hit in his general direction you might as well just put a run up on the board like there was none of that and then he had this concussion and it messed with his depth perception. Like he's still recovering from that. Let's just give him a chance to prove to the people that he has recovered from it. And he can at least be an average defender. I mean, the tools are there. It's all in the decision-making for him. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think a lot of people compare the two with Miguel and Duhar and they're like, well, Miguel and Duhar, 
he really took advantage of his first opportunity. Well, honestly, Clint Frazier at the plate took advantage of multiple opportunities. Every time he's come up, he has been incredible. Like his, obviously we say quickest hands in the game. I mean, Clint Frazier has the quickest hands in the game. And he reminds me, I know we've talked about this before, of like his swing is like a Mike Trout-esque swing. Of course, we're not comparing the two because obviously two completely different players. But when you look at it, his swing is very similar to that of Mike Trout, the, um, the bat speed and the bat, the way the bat comes off his shoulder. So he's taken advantage of those offensive opportunities. Miguel Andujar took advantage as well. And unfortunately, well, I guess fortunately, he had a full season to show it because Absolutely. they needed him at third base. So he got to show off his offensive prowess, his defense was not great. I mean, we, we all know that, and it's not exactly a secret, but he got a full season to show that, and Clint Frazier has not gotten anything, really. Yeah, and I think that was the biggest slight to, to Clint this year when the Yankees said, well, we're going we're gonna to just see if we can get Miguel Andujar to play left field or first base, and we're going to try him out at all these different positions, including yours, to see if, if we would rather have him. I'm like, well, Clint Frazier's been playing this position his whole life. Like he's always been an outfielder and you're saying, Oh, we'd rather test out the guy who's also really bad defensively and has never played this position before. We'd rather keep him on the roster. That's a little bit of a slight by the Yankees. I didn't like that. Definitely is. And you know that Clint Frazier um, probably took it that way. And that's why he had that conversation with Boone and cash. And he just wanted to know what can I do? Because I feel like I'm doing enough at the plate. I know I need to work on my defense and things like that, but I'm not, you know, getting that opportunity. And Clint Frazier, I, you know, I have to commend him because for the longest time, he really had a hard time dealing with the media. And he took all this criticism, everything that people were saying about him, took it and used it as fuel to improve himself and improve his value as well. And he kept his mouth shut and he played the game. And I really, really am happy for what I'm seeing from him tonight. I think it's incredible. Absolutely. And we have seen him mature a lot since he first came over to the Yankees. I mean, obviously he was always kidding, like with the Mickey Mantle number seven thing. That was obviously a joke. Uh, but I don't know, people in the New York media tend to have sticks up their butts. What can I say about it? Phil Mushnick is part of the New York media. And that guy has the biggest stick up his butt that I've ever seen before. Phil Mushnick, um, we've already discussed him. Um, he's honestly one of those names I don't like to say on this podcast just because I know it, it gets James going. Like, no, it really does. And, and just a side note, uh, he did the whole Pete Alonzo vulgarity thing. Uh, total side note, not relating to Phil Mushnick is all. His mic'd up on first base thing is awful. It is borderline unlistenable. Uh, I've been begging, begging for Major League Baseball to mic players up for so long. And then Pete Alonso just does it himself. And it's just, I mean, it's a glass of warm water. It's nothing. What are you, what are you talking about? I enjoyed that so much. I really did. I actually enjoyed oh, it a lot. I, just, I thought it was pretty funny. Some, I mean, some of the other players are just like so funny when they're out there though. And Pete Alonso is just standing on first base talking to Freddie Freeman like, hey, you think you're going to hit five triples this year? I don't know. It's 2020. Like, dude, that's <laughs> so dumb. <laughs> I mean, maybe Pete Alonso is just not funny. He might, he might just not be funny. And maybe in which no case, yeah, in which case have some, but he does though. Cause like you can see him be funny. Like his whole shirt off thing last year, like 
that was a lot of fun. And you, you think Pete Alonzo, like that's a really fun guy. Like he does the let's fucking go Mets. Like he does all this fun stuff. And then you just hear him when he's out there being the gatekeeper at first. And you're like, I mean, I'd rather just listen to the broadcast. This is terrible. I mean, honestly, Nick Swisher should be playing right now because this is the age of the mic'd up players. That's who I want mic'd up. Nick Swisher. Nick Swisher at first base. I, I can't even imagine. That would just be incredible. I would love every second of it. Just talking to everybody. Oh, I love Nick Swisher. Um, all right, back on topic. No, no, back to Nick Swisher. We have to talk about Nick Swisher for a second. Okay. <laughs> because apparently um, what Clint Frazier has done and gotten hits in his first three at-bats back on the team hasn't been done since 2009 with Nick Swisher. Pretty good name to be compared to. Nick Swisher was a consummate professional for years. I liked him a lot. Nick Swisher was incredible. I met him when he came to Syracuse and he was in the minor leagues back in his second stint with the Yankees. And he, um, he asked if I wanted a picture and I was like, uh, yes. Uh, yes, so, obviously. Yeah. So I took a selfie, but I was like shaking so much that. Oh, I've seen that selfie before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was shaking so much because I was so nervous. Yeah, it's super blurry, but you can tell it's Nick Swisher. You can it's tell. absolutely Nick Swisher. There's no doubt about it. Uh, who was that? Who was that guy a couple weeks ago? I can't remember who it was. Um, an analyst who just trashed Nick Swisher, like Nick Swisher the person, not Ozzie even Nick Guillen. Swisher the player. Who was it? Oh, Ozzie Guillen. You're Ozzie right. Guillen. Right. Yep. Yeah, like he's just like, yeah, I hated Nick Swisher. Didn't even miss mince words. Like, how can you hate Nick Swisher? Like, he's just a ball of sunshine. I mean, honestly, the only way you could hate Nick Swisher is if you if you assume that he's not playing the game seriously because he's having so much damn fun, like. And that was the thing is he had so much fun, but he was also so serious about the game and about every approach to the plate and every inning in the field. I mean, he definitely was, but I could see how in a way someone might see that as not taking it seriously. Yeah, no, I'm off that, off that odds again. Don't put that on national TV. That's a bad take. You don't want to get old takes exposed for that almost immediately. Um, but all right, now back on topic. Uh, speaking of Miguel Andujar, he got sent down. He did, yes. And we discussed this a little bit because I was I was a little shocked that that happened. And I was anticipating right away it was going to be a Clint Frazier call-up. Um, and then when he didn't get called up, I started to uh, produce an article that basically <laughs> – was not very nice about how the Yankees felt about Clint Frazier. And lo and behold, the day before it was going to be published, he got called up. So, I mean, it's probably still valid. I really, I mean, the way it worked out, I think they sent Andujar down because they needed some pitching. Uh, mm -hmm. You don't really need Miguel Andujar when you have that many days in a row where you just need bullpen arms. You just need warm bodies to throw a baseball. Um, right. And then once Giancarlo Stanton goes down and goes on the I.L., say, well, we need a guy back. Well, we can't call Miguel Andujar back yet because we just sent him down. So by default, it's got to be Clint Frazier. Right. Right. It made the most sense. But, yes, Andujar got um, sent down to the alternative site. Um, honestly, not too huge of a shock, just in general. I mean, he was putting together at-bats, but they were very inconsistent at-bats. And he was not succeeding. Um, so you got Gio Urshela, who is red hot at third base and probably, well, definitely a better defender. Um, so you might as well send him down, see if you can pick up some more arms and then give Clint Frazier the opportunity to do something like, let this guy do something. 
I think that's that's what it comes down to for Frazier, for both of us. Just mm-hmm. just give this guy one chance, one chance, consistent at bats. I don't know if he's going to get it. I think maybe uh, if Judge had played today, I mean, or if he wasn't injured, quote unquote, I still don't know exactly what's going on with that. Um, Clint Frazier probably wouldn't have played. Maybe he's only playing DH against lefties if they don't have an immediate need in right, right. field today. And it's just, I mean, I, I want him to, I want to see him every day. Just give this kid the chance for at bats every single day. Say, hey, look, I do belong here. I have belonged here for three years, and you're just keeping me down. His first game was against the Houston Astros in, um, I think it was 2017, and he hit a home run. First at bat. Yeah, and, and we just loved Clint Frazier immediately. Right, right then exactly. and there. I mean, obviously, he was a top prospect for a long time. And, you know, the Indians obviously traded him away in that Andrew Miller trade. But, I mean, damn, just, like, give Clint Frazier the opportunity to shine because he can be an everyday player, and he should be an everyday player. You can't have him rotting away down at the alternative site only to call him up when he's, you know, 28, 29 years old, 30 years old, and be like, oh, yeah, now's your opportunity, and you're wasting away his prime. Yeah, like when you need that depth. You just want Clint Frazier around for when you need that depth. And yeah, technically the Yankees have the right to do that. But I mean, it's not really fair to him. He's an everyday player on almost any other team in the league. And it's just, we just happen to have Aaron Judge, Aaron Hicks, Mike Tockman, Giancarlo Stanton, Brett Gardner. Like we're just stacked out there. All right, I'm going to say something and you're going to hate me for it. All right? Oh boy. <laughs> you're going to hate it because it's such a good analogy. Okay. You're, you get dessert, right? You've uh-huh. got a fruit cup or a chocolate pudding, right? Chocolate uh-huh. pudding is gone, so you pick the fruit cup. That's, Clint Frazier is not the fruit cup. Clint Frazier is the chocolate pudding. You can't just use him when you want to use him. You've got to get the chocolate pudding when you want the chocolate pudding because that is the superior dessert, and that's what you want. I, I did not follow that analogy at all. Uh, I get it, though. I get it. Chocolate pudding is great. Clint yeah. Frazier is great. Uh, he, nobody wants the fruit cup, but... <laughs> oh, boy. I wasn't expecting to talk about chocolate pudding today. It was we always get there eventually, though. It was on my list. Yeah. So um, I <laughs> fair. Okay. To speak about Aaron Judge now. Um, before the podcast today, I had written down in my notes that we are finally seeing 2017 Aaron Judge. First half Aaron Judge, the guy who every time he's at the plate, he's either going to allow you to let him hit a single or he's just going to take you 500 feet. And that's like the Aaron Judge we've been waiting for for two years with all these injuries, the broken hand, the oblique, like all this stuff just keeps happening to him and it sucks. And then today he's out with leg soreness, leg tightness, uh, left the game in the sixth inning against Tampa, or I'm sorry, against Atlanta yesterday with the explanation being he just played four at the Trop, uh, which we are going to burn down for sure. Hashtag drop the Trop. That is the, that is the new t-shirt. We're coming out with it. It's great. Um, I, this makes me very angry because this was Aaron Judge's season to literally make it through a whole season, 60 games. That's, That's it. all you had to do, 60 games. Make it through without being injured. And here we go again. <laughs> like, 
this is not good. It's not good news for him for upcoming free agency. It's not good news for him and his relationship in general with the Yankees, because honestly, they're going to look at the injuries and they're going to be like, listen, I love having this guy on the field, but is it only worth it to have him there half the time as opposed to a player like DJ LeMahieu, who they could pay really good money for, who is going to put in in a regular season over 150 games. Yeah, I think I don't I don't see any realistic scenario where the Yankees just let Aaron Judge walk, but it's definitely going to affect the contract talks. Or you say, I don't know, maybe it maybe we sign Aaron Judge through his age 32 season instead of through his age 36 season, like he probably deserves. Mm-hmm. And then at 32, you're having the same conversation. Do you want to let Aaron Judge go? He's old, he gets hurt a lot, old, quote unquote. He's baseball old at 32. Correct. Um and then maybe then you see him go to another team that says, yeah, we think we can get five good years out of him. That's probably worth it to us. And it's just, it, that, I don't like that because I don't want to see Aaron Judge play for anyone else, anyone ever. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's very, very frustrating to watch because literally this season was the perfect season for Aaron Judge to come in and be like, yep, let me stay healthy. Let me do all these amazing Aaron Judge things. He's already had nine home runs. I believe he leads the league in home runs. Uh, Yes. Yes, he does. Um, Absolutely. So obviously he's feeling good. He's hitting the ball well, and now he's injured. And depending on how many games he misses, it it could just be a few. I mean, who knows? It could just be today. That's the thing. We don't, I don't trust the Yankees anymore. I just, with the way that injuries went last year, where you're saying this guy could be back by this time. And then it's, oh, maybe another two weeks. Oh, maybe another two weeks, maybe a month. And it's, I just well, don't trust not. them anymore. Even so, with Stanton's injury, I mean, they were originally like, oh, yeah, it's not that bad. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, yeah, he needs three to four weeks. I wouldn't be surprised if it takes him six weeks just because this is a consistent injury with him. Yeah, that's, that's maybe even more worrisome for Stanton, that he was only playing DH. He wasn't playing in the field. Uh, the one day they tried to stretch him, it was a two seven-inning doubleheader games. They say, all right, today we're going to have Stanton play in both games. He's going to DH in both games. And the first time you try to push him just a little bit, his hamstring explodes. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I just – I don't like the way that looks. Right. And, you know, we, we basically said it earlier, and obviously the trop, um, the field, the artificial turf has never been good for players, but I mean, come on, you cannot use that as a reason to sit someone out or take someone out early. That was the most absurd excuse I ever heard. Like I get playing on turf is very different than playing on a regular field, but every single player on the Yankees played on turf for four games. And also don't lie to us after the game. Don't yeah. say, yeah, we just, he, we just wanted to get him half a day off before we have an off day on Thursday. Um, we just want to get him half day off here, maybe rest him up a little bit. Don't lie to us. Don't say that. Say, well, yeah, you know, he played four games on artificial turf. It's a little rougher on the legs. So he's got a little bit of leg soreness. We don't expect it to be a big deal. But maybe you sit him out today too. Get him two days off in a row, two and a half days. Like that should be plenty to come back from leg soreness unless this is something else that we're just being lied to about. Which honestly very well could be, or else they probably wouldn't have said anything. Of course. It's just, I mean, uh, fingers crossed they're telling us the truth and they just wanted to rest them today because they have an off day tomorrow. And they're like, why not? Let's get them two and a half days of rest before we go play Boston. Hopefully. I don't, they're not running high on faith from me. They don't have a lot of it right now. 
I don't know who to believe in general anymore. I mean, they're just, just basically, you know, everyone freaked out as soon as they saw that Aaron Judge was taken out of the game. They're like, what? But then they're like, oh, he's leaning against the railing, so it should be okay. And then after the game, of course, you know, Aaron Boone gives us that excuse, and we're like, oh, okay. And then today, you wake up to even more news. I was talking to my neighbor earlier today. He's a big Yankees fan. He was wearing a Judge shirt, and I was like, dude, you better change your shirt. He also has a Clint Frazier shirt. <laughs> today, not not the day for Judge. Today's the day like, for the uh, Frazier shirt. You might want to put on the Frazier shirt. And he's like, what? What? And I was like, oh, Judge is out. And, you know, Clint Frazier's starting, and he goes, oh, my God. Like, he had words. The man had words. I don't even know his name, but you another know. Clint Frazier hater. No, he loves Clint Frazier. Oh, that's he fine. A Frazier shirt. Yeah, but like, who didn't get a Frazier shirt when he first came up, and then you he realize he can't play defense. This is true. Yeah, he was more upset with the fact that Judge was injured, which I totally agreed with, and I was like, well, hey, Clint gets a shot. You know what? Like I said, pro Clint here. Um, also pro drop the trap. I mean, that place just needs to be bulldozed right now. Um, it just There's makes no, no sense. No There's sense no. at all. How did you design a stadium where you can hit the ceiling with a baseball? It's a baseball stadium. And nobody, nobody in the design process was like, you know what? These catwalks are pretty low. Maybe we should put them higher because this is just going to be an issue. And it's so hard to see the ball against the ceiling. It's impossible to hit there because the ball looks like a blur with the lights and the gray ceiling. And it's just everything about the trop screams, we don't know how to build a baseball stadium. But hey, it's in Florida. It's closed in. Social distancing. They're great at it. Like, I think... You know what? That's that's the only positive I can think about. And that's because we had a freaking pandemic come through. So when it also comes to the trap, this really got me thinking because when I was, I hate watching games there. First of all, I hate the camera angle. Oh, it's hate, the worst. Yeah, the camera angle. Everything is, is terrible. And there's just the, the glare that you can just see it from the sun beating down onto the, onto the artificial roof. And you just get that gray glare. And that's Correct. Just, oh, oh, I hate it. Now, here's my other question, and this is what makes me really mad about the drop. So I was watching the game, and I heard – I was watching the away feed, actually. So, or, I'm sorry, the home feed. So I was watching the Rays feed, um, which was a little bit interesting because they like to talk trash about the Yankees, like, a lot. And I was like, mm, that's wrong information. Like, let's not – let's not spread false information. But the Rays are missing. They didn't tell us where the Rays went. You know how they're Rays in, like, right field, right center? Yeah. And their little tank, tank is empty. There are no we, rays. They Where just the took rays? the rays away. Where are they? Why would you take them away? I don't know. Maybe they have a bigger tank inside that they put the rays in the bigger tank when there's nobody there. But they didn't say anything. They just said, oh, yeah, the rays are not there. Instantly, I just went into panic mode. Where are the rays? Are they in an aquarium? Are they okay? Yeah, I guess I, I don't I would never have noticed that. I would never have noticed that, that the Rays weren't there. But that makes a huge difference to me. I love Rays. Rays are awesome. I used to go to the aquarium all the time and pet the Stingrays on their back. Even after Uh, they killed Steve Irwin, I still went and pet them on their back. R.I.P. Yeah, but I was, that's what I was focused on the entire time because that is a fixture of the stadium. Their name is literally the Tampa Bay Rays. So where the hell are the Rays? I don't know. 
I, they must, I they even, must have a secondary aquarium that's just like easier for them to care for the rays. Right. Like, we're not going to have people here this year anyway, so we might as well just like not have the rays out. Like who's going to go up to the ray tank? Nobody. All that's going to happen yeah. is that they're going to be swimming around James, in a smaller tank. James, that's, that's their home. But they got a second home. No. That, no. How do you move rays to two different places? That I, that I can't answer. That exactly. I don't know. <laughs> you can't do that. You just got to leave them where they are in the empty stadium. I'm sure they're much happier there. Bring the Rays back and then, well, okay. Bring the Rays back so they can be home for a little bit. Take the tank part out and like move it to a new location. Same tank though. Then drop the truck. Absolutely. You know, why don't you just put the Ray tank in the outfield? Just put a nice little a little glass encasing around it with a lot of breathability there and just put the ray tank in the outfield because that would make way more sense than having the catwalks where anybody can just hit them and the ball is still in play. You know, it would also make baseball a whole lot more fun to watch. I saw like, watching Aaron Hicks try to navigate the ray tank in center field. Like, right, that would exactly. be entertaining. Oh, absolutely. Entertaining as hell. It's like an obstacle course. Make an obstacle course in the outfield. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, that's the only way that, that the trop can get any better. If they're not going to do that, we're going to put the rays into a permanent aquarium. We're going to bulldoze the whole fucking thing. I agree. Save the rays first and then just, just blow it up. I, blow it, it up. Destroy it the entire thing. Don't, don't want Everything. it. Don't want to see it anymore. Don't want I don't want anything okay. built on that land either. That's, I mean, that's going to be burial ground. We don't ever put anything mm -hmm. there. Otherwise, the ghost of the trop is going to come back to haunt whoever puts a building there. Damn catwalks. Absolutely. Also, on another animal note, uh, this is totally off topic, but I was thinking about this week. Do you find it weird that they put Shark Week in the middle of summer? No. But that's like, that's like prime beach season. And they're just, you planning on going to the beach this weekend? Like, here's 168 hours of the most vicious ocean predator. Like, that's always, my whole life, that's bothered me a little bit. Like, let's just put it in winter so that when I go to the beach the next season, I'm not thinking about how dangerous the animals are. Long Island has a lot of sharks this year. That's why I'm a little nervous about the beach. Are, uh, are you going to the beach? Have you been to the beach? I have been to the beach. Socially distanced, of course. Uh, but it's just, there's a lot of sharks. And now Shark Week's coming up, and I just get to watch a whole week of sharks attacking people and fish. And thinking about how if I go to the beach this weekend, I already know they're there. Mm, okay. All right. I, I see what you're saying. I, I don't know why. And I can't help you. I'm sorry. Um, That's fair. Uh, yeah. I, have, I have one more topic for outfielders. You're not going to like it. Leave Brett Gardner out of this. You're not going to like it. I know exactly what's coming. Yes, they should sit Brett Gardner. Oh, I wasn't going to go so far as to say they should sit Brett Gardner completely. I'm thinking, let's just give Mike Tockman a lot more at-bats. Let's get him more regular playing time. It's got nothing to do with Brett Gardner. I have all oh, the faith in the world that he's going to turn it around. I trust Brett Gardner to turn it around and have himself a decent year. But Mike Tockman is just on fire as Clint Frazier feels a nice, nice grounder in the outfield. Bullet throw to the shortstop. Beautiful. Beautiful. Okay, so... How is he going to get consistent at bats without Brett Gardner being put on the bench? 
Well, I mean, you have the DH spot now. There is a way to work them them both into the lineup every day. But it is going to be a lot of Brett Gardner losing some at-bats against maybe tough lefties, um, maybe uh, against righties. I think Tachman should probably take the majority of the at-bats and, and Gardner just gets the late-game defense substitutions. And I don't know. It's just I love Brett Gardner. You know I love Brett Gardner, but Mike Tachman mm-hmm. has been so good this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can see your hateful stare. That's a, I have that's to be as unbiased hatred. as possible. And I agree. Mike Tuckman has been really, really good. Really good plate presence. That's what I've noticed with him. Um, and that's also what I've noticed has not been great with Brett Gardner is he is literally watching those first two strikes and then he's battling at the two strike count every single time. So he's mm-hmm. waiting for those pitches. Like those good pitches are not going to come. The first good, the first pitch is typically going to be the best pitch you're going to see. Yeah, I mean, especially off certain pitchers. Uh, Brett right. Gardner, you know, the first game against Max Scherzer, uh, he steps in the box. He's struggling already, and he takes a, what was it, 95-mile-an-hour fastball right down the middle. Brett. Like, listen, I know you're looking for something specific. You're not going to see a better pitch than that to hit in this at-bat, Brett. No. Um, and then the other thing, too, is, you know, he, he's had success with that in the past. You know, he's, he's definitely fought off a ton of pitches really always averaged the, seeing the most pitches um, on the Yankees per at bat. But I guess the problem is that he is literally, maybe his, maybe his scouting reports or, or things are off because it seems like he is surprised at every single pitch that is thrown his way. Like yeah, maybe, he, maybe they're pitching him differently and he's just going to have to find a way to adjust. Um, but you, you never know. He's old guy. If I know anything about Brett Gardner, he's definitely set in his ways. Brett Gardner is very stubborn. I could, I could definitely see that. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I mean, he had that span. He hit three home runs. That was great. That is him, him and Gary are doing the same thing. The only time they ever hit, they hit it long. That's very true. That's very true. But listen, I mean, Brett Gardner has – well, obviously Gary Sanchez has defensive value as well. And, you know, Garrett Cole has mentioned that he loves having Gary Sanchez behind the plate. They do have a really good rapport, which is really nice to see. Um, but those bats need to get going. And honestly, I don't think you can test it out for that much longer with Brett Gardner because it's a 60-game season. I mean, we literally are, what, a third of the way through a little more? Yeah, I mean, you you have a proven commodity in Mike Tockman who's hitting the the shit out of the ball right now. He's hitting hard balls. He's hitting singles. He's hitting all over the field. Uh, obviously, he can bring it on the defensive end too. Um, maybe we're heading while Giancarlo Stanton's down. If Aaron Judge goes down for a while, maybe we're heading towards a, a Brett Clint platoon kind of situation. Uh, if Aaron Judge is suffering from leg soreness, maybe he's the guy who who slides into that DH role. And you're saying, okay, well, against a righty, we're going to have Brett Gardner out in left field, Mike Talkman out in right. Against a lefty, we're going to have Clint out in right and Talkman out in left. Um, but it's just, I don't, I don't know. You said there's not really all that much time to just let guys work through it this year. Right. Um, and that definitely changes the game here. That, that goes the same with pitchers and everything. Luckily, the bullpen for the Yankees has been pretty decent. Um, you know, I love seeing Chad Green is in the game now. I love seeing Chad Green pitch, um, especially because his um, evolution from a failed starter to a dominant reliever is just incredible. But 
Absolutely. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I'd even say he was a, a completely failed starter. I mean, he was pretty young. I mean, he got knocked around a little bit, but there, I think he had a future at starter, but Jordan Montgomery came and took that spot. We're saying, well, Chad, like we still want you to be on the major league roster. So we're thinking we're just going to convert you to a reliever. And he really just settled into that role. Um, right. If he ever had to convert back to starter, I think he would do a fine job. I don't think he'd be as dominant as he is now, yeah. but I don't think he's going to yeah. do. No, we're not going to do that. We're not going to do that because no, we're, we're not, not Jabba that. Chamberlain. Jabba Chamberlain and anybody. Ah, yes, the typical Jabba Chamberlain name drop. Yeah, we're not jobbing anybody because okay, that it was the dumbest thing that the Yankees ever did was try to make Jabba Chamberlain a starting pitcher. Yeah. Speaking of Jabba Chamberlain, did you read the article? Yeah, that was super weird. Something going on. Um, he just basically abandoned his house and all of his belongings and such it sounds like he owes a lot of money and uh closed down the bar that he owns as well and hopefully hopefully he's okay up here i don't know i mean i have to imagine it was more of a more of the bar kind of drove his his money out the window but for someone oh clint frazier just fielded another nice one and then hit the cutoff man right on the dot let's go all in tell the future is that is that what the problem is here Oh yeah, I'm on I'm on cable. You might be on a little bit of a delay here. Um, but going back to Jabba, I have to imagine somebody who had a, a career as long as he did and as successful as he did, that his entire financial situation was not dependent on the bar that he opened. I have to imagine some money manager has a safety net set up for him. Uh, maybe it's a cash flow issue, but. I mean, it was a really weird story to see all of a sudden Jabba Chamberlain's Iowa home is abandoned and everything is up for auction. Right. And, and there's some cool stuff in there too. I just can't afford it. Yeah, definitely can't afford it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that was weird. Hopefully he's okay. Hopefully his family's okay. Um, if he is out of money, I'd love to see him come back as a pitching coach. I'd love to just see him, have him around the Yankees. I think that'd be cool. I don't know if he'd be a good pitching coach, but I just love having Jabba around. Hey, maybe he could be one of those special advisors at camp that, you know, basically every ex-Yankees player is. Absolutely. And I, he's him and Phil Hughes were like the two guys where they come up and they're just like heat throwers who came up at the same time. They were so young. And we have a lot of guys like that in the system who just throw gas, who are really, really young. And maybe that's a mentor they can look up to and be like, hey, like I went through what you went through. So here's how I handled it. And the Yankees will pay him a, a nice, decent eight $8 million a year for that. Hey, I'm good with it. I think that would work. Totally. Um, what else do you want to talk about with Yankees? Because I want to talk about, once again, my weekly rant on how the New York Yankees should pay DJ LeMahieu whatever freaking money he wants. Give yeah. the man his money. Yeah, I mean, we talk about DJ because he is now hitting well over 400. He had multi-hit game again today. Mm-hmm. Um I have to imagine that the Yankees have at least had conversations with him and his agent about an extension. And if DJ was smart, there is a very specific number that the Yankees aren't willing to go to yet. Uh, because I mean, they really don't have to yet to right. sign an extension coming off uh, MVP caliber season. And then if he keeps this up an almost 400 average hitting season, like to sign an extension to that guy to get him to not test the open market, it's going to take a lot more than he's probably worth. Um, so I don't, 
I don't really see him signing the extension. I see, I see him going to the free agent market and I see the Yankees just outbidding whoever they have to, to bring this guy back. Honestly, that's, that's the guy you want in your lineup. I mean, I don't care his age at the moment because we've talked about this before. He's a freaking machine. And he's he's going to play till 80. Right. Exactly. He's going to play forever. So I'm perfectly okay with the Yankees spending a lot of money on DJ LeMahieu. But I understand. I've heard some rumors about like kind of what um, the ballpark of, of what they're asking for. But at the same time, I don't know what truth there is to said rumors. So obviously I don't want to, you know, put out any false information, but. I have to imagine it's, it's somewhere at least in the five year, $120 million range. That seems appropriate for someone who's that talented. Yeah. Yeah. I could definitely see that. And um, yeah, what I've heard is basically very similar to that too, but like. Good guess by me. (laughs) Not bad. Not perfect though. Not perfect. Not bad, but not perfect. Not bad, Um, but not perfect. Yeah. Uh, One last hitting thing. Uh, Gary and Glaber just, I I know Gary hit a home run today. Glaber hit a single, but it has just been so frustrating to watch them hit this year. And I, we know they're better than this. Um, We know everybody hates Gary Sanchez. Now tell me who you want. Yankees Twitter. Tell me who is available to take over Gary Sanchez's position. You can't just say trade him. You can't do that. You can't just say go get JT Ariel Muto because he's not available. The Phillies aren't going to trade him. And they're probably in a better position to sign him than we are this offseason. There's no other options. Yankees Twitter, you guys are being ridiculous right now. Ridiculous. And you know what? It gets to that point in the season where I have a hard time being on Twitter during the game because it is so frustrating to watch people in real time sit there, watch Gary Sanchez strike out, and then watch him come out the next inning and help Garrett Cole strike out the side and say, hmm, yeah, don't want him. Yeah, I mean, that is a completely underrated aspect of what he brings to the table. Gary Sanchez calls a fantastic game. CeCe Sabathia said it constantly. Every pitcher on the staff says it constantly. Garrett Cole says it constantly. It's a huge deal for a pitcher to just be able to sit back, let Gary throw down the sign, and say, okay, that's the pitch that's coming. You don't have to think when you're on the mound. You could stay in a rhythm. I don't think I've seen Garrett Cole shake him off once this year. And honestly, I was just watching this past inning too. I've got it live kind of going on there. Um, With Chad Green, the frame job is incredible. Like his framing has gotten Mm -hmm. so, so Mm -hmm. much better. We got uh, Tanner Swanson, the new catching coach, who has him on that Mitch Garver defense, put him on one knee to give him a better chance to to frame these balls. Uh, Might take a little bit off the throws to second base, but you're getting more runs back at the plate. You're blocking more balls. Gary's had a few, a few ugly pass balls. One went right through his legs. That was a bad one. But for the most part, uh, the balls that have gotten past him were just skippers that he blocked and it just hit off him weird. Um, mm-hmm. So he's getting down for them. They're, they're just, sometimes a wild pitch is a wild pitch. You can't just block everything. But he does bring enough defensively to be an average, dare I say, above average defensive catcher. And he's a good hitter. He is. He just is. This is a temporary slump. He hasn't gotten it going yet. Uh, Even if he's only a league average hitter, that's a lot better than the rest of the catchers in the league. Catchers don't hit. Look at my my new San Diego Padres. 
They have two really good defensive catchers. Not a single one of them can hit. Austin Hedges gets asked to bunt more than any other professional hitter I've ever seen. Here we go with the Padres now. So what should we rename our podcast? No, we're keeping the name. We're keeping the name. I'll just very briefly mention the Padres from time and again. Okay. My West Coast NL team. Yeah, it's uh, I, I do enjoy watching the Padres as well. I think they're a good choice. Um, but anyway, back to you know the Yankees in general. Yeah, Clint or I'm sorry, Clint Frazier. Now I've got Clint Frazier on the mind because he's you know coming up to bat, and I'm kind of super excited about it because he's three for three at the moment, and I would give love me that to- cycle. Give me that cycle. Oh, that's right. You're ahead of me. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm not watching. It's, it's a commercial. It's a commercial. Oh, okay. I'm good. just it's asking for the cycle. I would not ruin that for you. I wouldn't do that. I know how much it means to you to, to have Clint Frazier hit for the cycle right now. Yeah, but how many times have I ruined something for you literally live on the podcast when I'm watching TV? I've done that a few times. A few times, yeah. It's, it's an occupational hazard. Sometimes you're watching on cable. Sometimes you're watching on a delay. I got the cable now. Uh, it's just, it's an occupational hazard. What's cable? Cable. Yeah, I guess you don't have cable at all up there. Um, yeah, cable yeah. is weird. I don't yeah. even know where the remote is. My television is stuck on the Yes Network. If the Yankees ever play a, a primetime game, which I think they have, I think they have Sunday night baseball this Sunday against the Red Sox. Yes, I mean, do. I don't know how I'm going to watch that game on cable because I'm certainly not going to walk to the television and change the channel manually. I'm certainly not going to do that. You are. Yeah. Um, you definitely are. All right. The last thing that I have for the Yankees is the pitching, the pitching situation, yeah, yeah. which is a lot. It's a lot to cover. There's a lot to go into. That's a, that's a whole different uh, animal here that you're covering. A whole different animal. Who do you want to start with? Besides mm-hmm. Garrett Cole, we know Garrett Cole is good. Garrett Cole is going to be good. We're fine with Garrett Cole. Who do you want to Let's start with? Start with my whippy buddy. Whippy J Hap? Mm-hmm. Oh, he's not looking too whippy. <laughs> <laughs> he's not looking good, my friends. No. And I think, I think this week, if he has another bad start, we'll officially be at the point where it's, all right, no matter what, we cannot allow J-Hap's option to vest for 2021. We just can't allow it. He is done. We're done with him. Um, you can't really DFA him. Uh, you can't really trade him, so he's probably just going to move to that long bullpen relief role when you're getting blown out. Maybe if we're lucky, we'll only see him like twice for the rest of the year. Right. Um, or he might be that emergency starter in case of like a doubleheader. You know, the, the pitcher to be named later. Yeah, and obviously um, the way it works with the vesting option is that I think it's going to an arbiter. I don't think they came to an agreement and I don't think it's going to be prorated. So I think an arbiter has to decide, like, this is what Jay Happ's vesting option requirements are going to be. And if he has a bad fourth start, there is no chance in the world that the Yankees let him get to that vesting option. No chance. Okay, here's the question. What the hell happened? I don't because he looked so good in spring training. Yeah. The velocity was good. Whippy J Hap was a thing. Mm-hmm. It, he yes, did look really strong. And then all of a sudden, yeah. you know, coronavirus comes, the season gets delayed, and he's just not whippy anymore. Now he's he's flat. He's flat J Hap. 
flat hat. Not whippy hat, flat hat. Awesome. It's, it's ugly. It's ugly to it's watch. Just, it's very peculiar how literally as soon as the season starts, it was like a, a, a flip of the switch because we were cautiously optimistic about him. And, you know, I see you looking at the TV. Uh, yeah, Clint Frazier got uh, called out on a check swing for strike three. Not his best look. Do we agree? Well, it, yeah, it was definitely he, – he definitely went around. Um, but I just – I don't really know what he was swinging at because that ball was – it was low and inside the whole way. It was so that was just pitch. not a great pitch selection. All right. Well, you know what? Three for four isn't bad either. No, well, that's a hell of a day. Any day of the week. Yeah, that's a hell of a day. Uh, any that's a DJ LeMayhew-type day. Yeah, but back to Hap, very disappointed. Um, we were so excited during spring, but at the same time, we were like, well – Let's see if this carries over, and it didn't. Yeah, so now I think we're at the point where we have to decide who's next. Who is the guy who takes over that spot in the rotation? Uh, I know who I want, but who do you want? Michael King. Michael King, okay. See, that's I, I want Clark Schmidt, but I think Michael well, King course. makes more sense uh, because he's Clark actually – yeah, Clark Schmidt is amazing. But Michael King probably makes more sense because he's already on the roster. He's already on the 40-man. Um, to bring Clark Schmidt up to the majors, they would have to DFA somebody. Uh, I'd be totally fine just letting Brooks Krisky walk. Totally fine with that. If but it here's means the other Clark thing, Schmidt. too, is if you put Michael King in the starter role, he he obviously has played in a few games, pitched in a few games. He's pitched very well. He's done a he's done a pretty good job. Especially yeah, I've been I've been pleasantly surprised. Not really yeah. surprised because we knew that Michael King was. Right. And he's not going to blow you away, but he could give you a quality start every time out. So I've exactly. been I've been very happy with what we've gotten from him. But you know, I think the thing is, like, they had him up uh, a couple times, just kind of like warming up, getting in more work and stuff like that. Give the man work. Let him pitch five innings. See if see what he's got. I mean, I don't. I think with his current, uh, what he started with this season, I feel like it's not a bad idea to just kind of let him reign free. Give him a couple starts in a row where he could be like he's in the rotation. Because honestly, the Yankees right now are skipping over Jay Happ start anyway. They had Tanaka start tonight. They have Garrett Cole starting on Friday. Yeah, the the way the off days work was that was great for yeah. us this week. Um, right, exactly. But yeah, I mean, Michael King has always been a starting pitcher. So mm -hmm. to get into that bullpen role, it's everyone will tell you it's it's an adjustment to switch over to the bullpen role, where all of a sudden you have to kind of be ready any given day of the week. And maybe Michael King is a guy who will give you three innings and not be available for two more days. Um, but it is a lot different the way you go about your preparation when you're not you know exactly what day you're starting this week. You know exactly, you know, what pitch range you're working towards. Um, and he can't possibly be worse than Jay Happ is right now. So I really, I don't see a reason to not start Mike King. I'd rather him start in Jay Happ's next spot. I think Happ's probably going to make one more start before he blows up and, and they move him to the bullpen uh, just because he's making $17 million a year. Yeah. You have to do your due diligence with that and, you know, just see where it gets you. But, um, yeah, I think Michael King should definitely get a shot in the rotation and, you know, really, really play it off as, like, you know, getting him in the rotation. You know, not like a, a one start here or one start there. Like, Yeah, this isn't a spot start thing. You right, are exactly. our fifth starter. This is right. you. This is your spot. Make it happen. Let's go. Make it happen. I'm all for that. Um, 
and Jordan Montgomery has been absolutely fantastic. Um, Masahiro Tanaka worked up to 66 pitches today, I think it was. So he's just getting a little bit closer. He looked pretty good. Uh, it was Both runs were on him, right? I don't remember yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Splitter, and Splitter was off. Um, it was a massive home run that was hit off him. Splitter was off today, and um, honestly, that's one of his – that's his signature pitch. You know, so could just could have just been an off day for him, very possible. Um, so I think we have to wait and see what happens in the next start. Like, I don't think it's time to worry about him. Tanaka's always been just a reliable piece of the rotation for the Yankees. Yeah, I'm, I'm not worried at all. Even when he doesn't have his best stuff, I mean, that guy is a, that guy is a veteran. He knows how to – ooh, DJ LeMahieu with the double, maybe a triple. Oh, boy, that ball got away from him out there. And he fell. Oh, man, he might go home. Let's see. Uh, I'm watching. No, he stopped at third. He stopped at third. Delayed, delayed, delayed. Oh, man. Yeah, the ball got away from him in center field, and then he slid and dropped it when he went to throw. I really thought they were going to send DJ. I really thought he was about to hit an inside the park homer. I was about to lose my mind. I need to see see this replay and see if he realized that he had a real shot at home. Now they show Clint Frazier on the bench and he's like, dude, I wanted that triple. Like, what the fuck? DJ, steal my thunder. That was unbelievable. Oh, and he slips and he has to go back for the ball. He really, he might've made it home. That would have been so amazing. Um, Whatever. Two out triple. It's just DJ doing DJ. What of it? Uh, Doing machine things, you know, just doing machine things. Oh, and then Boyd pops out. Uh, Well, it doesn't matter what day it is because he does this every day. This is true. Every day is DJ day. Four hit night for DJ LeMayhew. That's just unreal. And he makes it look so easy. Yeah. And that wasn't even like, that wasn't even bad defense. That was a double all the way off the wall. He just happened to get an extra base out of it. So, I mean, good for him. Um, But yeah, back to Tanaka. I mean, that guy is a, that guy's a veteran. Even if he doesn't have his best stuff with him every day, he can still find a way to get you outs. Um, whether it's he's going to be relying heavily on the slider or the splitter or hopefully never the fastball because that's definitely his weakest pitch. Uh, but those days where he has all three working, I mean, he's borderline unhittable. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you see it in the playoffs every single year. I think his um, overall playoff ERA is one – it's like 172 or something. Something yeah. ridiculous. That's the other thing. He will show up for the big game no matter what. I have never seen Masahiro Tanaka blow up in a big game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, and, I mean, I guess, like, in terms of the rotation, that's really it. Yeah, right? I mean, we I'm just not... have James Paxton looked a lot better. Wow. The Velo's right. getting a little bit closer. Um, he did. He pitched aggressively. His spin rate on his fastball was up. Um, so that was an encouraging sign that he's getting back to normal. He was this close from having a lockdown start and then it all just fell apart from him in the, uh, I think it was his 86th and 87th pitches both got hit over the fence and he got pulled. Um, but either way, fantastic sign for him. So I think, I think I'm just not worried about him anymore. I think I'm very comfortable with Garrett Cole, Jordan Montgomery, James Paxton and Masahiro Tanaka. Um, and then hopefully Michael King will get that fifth starter spot and we won't ever have to see Jay have pitch again. I mean, honestly, that's pretty impressive if you're uh, that confident in your top four of the rotation since that's basically your entire rotation. Absolutely. It's Garrett Cole who can dominate anybody and then three quality starts. 
I'll take it. And a lot of people have said, you know, a lot of other teams have really made fun of the Yankees for their starting pitching, which honestly didn't start out that great. But when you've got an offense that's as good as the Yankees, you know, even if your starting pitcher gives up two runs, three runs, no big deal. Totally fine. We're not asking for a shutout. We're asking for a quality start. That's all we need. Yep. Yep. Don't ask CC Sabathia about it, but you know. No. Um, all right. Do you have anything else for Yankees? Cause there is the one huge piece of news that we have to hit first major league baseball wise. Okay. Go the Astros and the A's brawled. All right. So I tweeted about this too. The Houston Astros confirmed cheaters to get to the 2017 road series and win it. Don't get the title stripped. Don't get any suspensions. Immunity. They got immunity. Right, right. The Astros hitting coach makes a comment about the opponent's mother. After getting hit, let's at the background though, Ramon Laureano, he got hit twice in one game. And he was just he was upset about it. I would be upset about it too. The A's I'm sure his mom was anybody. upset too. Yeah, I think they got hit six times in that series. But continue. Comment about a mother, which you should just never make. And literally get suspended for a, a third of the season. 20 games. That's a third of 60. Right? Math. Okay. Yep. How does this – how in your mind does this compute? I, I will no say – I will say I think the suspension was obviously warranted. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think it's long enough for for what happened. Twenty games, a third of the season. That's a huge difference. Um, but it does shine that light on what happened this off season, where you're looking at a team that cheated the game, cheated especially the Oakland Athletics, who have been a good team, a team mm-hmm. that very well could have won that division and changed their entire playoff outlook. You you cheated them out of out of maybe a championship. Maybe they don't lose in a wild card game. Maybe you know you maybe don't know don't what happens. The wild card maybe game. they don't. Yeah, maybe they don't need to play the wild card game, um, and and you don't get any punishment whatsoever. The yeah. owner gets the owner gets a slap on the wrist, five million. Your manager and your GM are are fired or are suspended, and then they were fired. Um, That's got to sting. Yeah, That's and sting it's just so bad. The thing that really gets me is that the Astros won't get out of their own way. They keep doing this shit. They did it all off season where they just, they went into deny, deny, deny mode. And we had all this video evidence, all this testimony from ex players who played for the Astros and watched the system unfold. And like, Oh, Mike fires is just bad that we didn't resign him. And just get out of your own way. You hit this guy twice in one game, three times in the series. You hit three other batters. He's going to be a little upset, (laughs) probably rightfully so. So when he's, you know, jawing with the pitcher a little bit, I don't think Ramon Laureano was going to go after him. I I don't think Ramon Laureano was looking for a fight. He was just, hey, like, that's the second time I've gotten hit today. Maybe break that slider off a little tighter because I'm tired of it ending up in my fucking shoulder. And then you got the fucking hitting coach on the bench talking shit. Like, you got nothing to do with this. You're not even the pitching coach. You're the hitting coach. No part of this relates to you at all. 
He's and, kind of pissed off that he actually has to do a job now because the Astros can't hit. Oh, they're so bad. They're so bad. Jose Altuve tried to bunt for a hit the other day, and he couldn't even do that right. But and now Gardner hasn't even done that yet. No, <laughs> oh, for real. Honey. And he's so in his own head, he can't field, he can't tag, he can't hit. And it's just, I mean, watching Jose Altuve completely collapse has been like, that's been a lot of the karmic retribution that I needed this year. Like just watching that unfold. I'm like, I'm pretty satisfied with what's happened to him. Uh, even though MLB didn't punish him, the baseball gods did. Cause he can't mm. play now. He's terrible. Yeah. And I mean, watching it is very, very sad, but at the same time, I ain't mad. Like, no, <laughs> yeah. And I, I try not to right. root against players. I right. try not to root for people to do poorly. Because that's, I mean, that's somebody's job. Uh, I root for people to, like, not get hit if they're playing against my team. Like, you know, David Ortiz all the time. I was like, please don't get hit. And when he didn't get hit, I would celebrate. Because it's really hard to get that guy out. Yeah, but when he's playing anyone else, I mean, go nuts. I don't care at all. Go get your money. Doesn't matter. Um, But this is a little bit of karmic retribution. Uh, the thing that really got me, though, for this, going back to this fight with Alex Cintron, the hitting coach, was he talked all this shit. He gets up on the top step. He tells Ramon Laureano to come and get him. Ramon Laureano does. And then he backs up like a quarterback into the pocket behind his offensive line. And it's just like, you, you really, you talked all this shit. You talked about his mother. And he comes to get you. And you're like, no, 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 offensive lineman. Form the wall. Form the wall. Oh, Create a pocket. Yeah. Where's my receiver? Like, uh, it's just, it's so Astros. It's uh, the whole thing screams so Astros that the whole, it was done. We were totally, I mean, we weren't over it, but we were, we were moving past it. And then they just have to open their mouths and talk. It's like a sickness in their organization that anytime something goes wrong for them, they have to throw gasoline on the fire. It's like if there was any semblance of respect left for that organization, it just all went out the window. I mean, in all honesty, they prob- the team themselves probably should have suspended their own hitting coach for the rest of the year. Been like, yo, take the rest of the year off. Yeah, you started like, a fight. There was a whole, you know, we're in a pandemic right now, right? They made a specific rule. I mean, it's never, you're never allowed to fight, but they made a, they really specified this year, hey, don't do this shit. Right. And they did it against, oh, uh, who was it? Was it, oh, the Dodgers with the Joe Kelly incident when he <laughs> talked shit and did the frowny face, which was amazing. Still hate Joe Kelly, but that's like, all right, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cheer for you on this one, but I still don't like you. And then they come all the way across the field to talk shit. Carlos Correa is like, oh, you're only talking shit because you struck me out. If I hit a home run, I'd be talking shit. Well, you didn't, Carlos. So shut up. And the fucking hitting coach is just, he has nothing to do with this play. A hitter is getting mad because he's gotten hit twice in one game. And he's just like, yeah, fuck your mother, Ramon Laureano. Like, this doesn't have anything to do with you. Just shut up. Everyone on Houston should just shut up for like two seconds and this would all blow over. I feel like this is the theme of 2020. Maybe this world would be a whole lot better if the Astros just shut up. Just stop talking. And this uh, this week or last week, um, the owner, what's Crane? Jim Crane, the owner of the Astros, unprovoked, 
said, yeah, I was really sorry to see Brandon Taubman lose his job because he's a good guy. And, you know, there's this incident where he was drinking. So he said this thing. I'm like, I'm sorry. This happened almost a year ago. And you're still apologizing for this guy who was so clearly in the wrong. And you're saying, well, he, it's, he shouldn't have gotten fired because he said it when he was drunk. What? What? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, that, that's not how things work. Just stop talking. No. Just stop. I, uh, oh my God, I just, I just can't with the Houston Astros. I cannot. And I we nothing. haven't been able to handle them for a long period of time because they're, they're the worst. They're just, they're doing all this stuff. And then they're like, oh yeah, you should respect us. I'm like, no, take your lumps. No. Just shut up and take your lumps. Just so, so frustrating. But yeah, that fight was a little ridiculous. Um, and also, you know, I, I definitely got excited. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I mean, I love watching oh it, God, but in the back happened. of your mind, you're like, yeah, it's a pandemic. We're really not supposed to be doing this. <laughs> I'm literally like cheering on the fight. And I'm like, Ooh, social distancing. Yes. Ooh, he's not wearing a mask. Like, you know, <laughs> nobody's wearing a mask in this fight. Right. Just back and forth, back and forth. So yeah, it's, uh, it's been very, very, very interesting, but I, I can definitely say that I, I did enjoy the fight until I really thought about it until it's over and you're like that was we're not supposed to do that yeah that's not supposed to be a thing like literally i think my first response to seeing that fight was they're not supposed to be doing that mm. <laughs> um another thing that is not supposed to be happening uh zach Plezak and mike clevenger broke their uh broke their team's bubble went out and then came back and just lied about it to everybody <laughs> Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of Mike Clevenger, just personality-wise. I know that he's good buddies with Trevor Bauer, and they've done um, some video chats and, like, YouTube videos and stuff like that. I think they're great, but I, I don't know. The more I'm kind of learning, the, the less I like about this Clevenger dude. I mean, how can you do that, put your own teammates at risk, and just – just lie about it just because Especially you Terry to... Francona he's high risk Carlos Carrasco just recovered from leukemia high right. risk um yeah I liked I liked Clevenger before this and now you know this is the kind of thing that really makes you think about well does this person have empathy for other people um because not only did he hide it but he saw what happened to police act they sent police act home um because he, he came forward, he said, yeah, like, I got caught out there doing that. All right, I'm going to go home. I'm not going to travel with you guys. Mike Clevenger knew he was out with Zach Plezak and his friends in Chicago. Um, there's a major city, very high chance that mm -hmm. if you go out, you might catch coronavirus. And then saw that Plezak was disciplined, pretended to not be there, got on the team plane anyway, traveled with them, and then they found out that he had, he had gone out with Plezak. So it's just like, I mean, this was just, this is a really bad look, man. Mm -hmm. you, should not, you shouldn't have done this in the first place, but it's even worse when the guy that you did it with gets in trouble for it. Be, rightfully so, because he should not have been out. They say, you have to go home because we have, we don't want coronavirus spreading to this clubhouse. We have high risk people in here. We don't want to miss games, yada, 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 whatever reasons there are a million of them. And you see this guy get disciplined and then you just lie about, doing the exact same thing and put everybody at risk. Yeah. And, you know, I, I feel like I was trying to figure out what the reason was why I originally didn't like Mike 
Clevenger, but I he is a bit of a character. He has a he has a loud personality. Yeah, but he also cheated on his pregnant wife. So that I didn't know about. Yeah, and he kicked the family out of the house. So Ooh, yeah. Okay, maybe not he's not. Bad. Maybe he's not a good guy. Maybe he's not the best guy. Yeah, maybe um, maybe not a good person. Yeah. So not happy about that. I feel like that is. Ooh. Like Clevenger, not good, not good. Definitely should have done that. Neither of them should have done that. Uh, we got two more things here. Uh, one, Marcus Stroman opted out the day that he received his free agency eligibility. Good on him for taking advantage of a system that takes advantage of the players. Um, true, true. And but it uh, does I've does leave the Mets in the lurch. <laughs> it very much leaves them leaves the Mets in the lurch as far as starting pitching goes. Yeah, that's insane. I mean, you don't have Syndergaard, you don't have Stroman. That's. I mean, he only made eleven starts for the Mets, and now he's going to be a free agent. And they traded, um, who was it, Anthony Kay, and uh, one of the one of the younger guys, way down in the system that that I wasn't familiar with yet. Um, but two like pretty promising prospects for eleven Marcus Stroman starts. So. Was it worth it? Yeah, Mets being Mets, classic yeah. Mets. Mets gonna Met. Mets gonna Met. And last but not least, Greg Bird, DFA'd by the Texas Rangers. It's such a sad, sad story. I mean, everyone's like, oh, ha ha, Luke Voigt hit a home run at the same time that we found out Greg Bird was DFA'd. It's sad. Guys, he's a human being. He did some really great things. The Yankees would not have even been in the ALCS in 2017 without it was Greg. for Greg Bird. Okay. Like give cut the man some slack. Okay. Yeah. Poor guy. I feel so bad. I mean, this just goes back to what we said earlier too. We don't root against anybody. I mean, I was screaming from the mountaintops that I wanted Luke Voigt to be my first baseman, but you can't take that as any slight against Greg Bird that I want him to to do poorly. I just think Luke Voigt is a better player. As soon as Greg Bird gets signed by the Texas Rangers, I'm saying, good, hit 260, hit 30 bombs. Like, I hope you have a very long and productive career because you seem like a nice person, and this is your life. This is your livelihood. If you don't have a good career, you don't really have a lot of backup options. Right, right. Um, so feel absolutely terrible for the whole Greg Bird thing. Yeah, he will get signed somewhere else, though. Uh, he is – I mean, the talent is still there. The swing is still there. It's just uh, – he's got to find somewhere where he really fits in. Colorado Rock, he's calling his name. Listen, we called this months and months and months ago. Let's make it happen. Let's manifest it. Isn't that a thing now? Yeah, it's going to be tough because the, the Rockies have Daniel Murphy and Ryan McMahon, who are both lefties who play first base – so it's not really a lot of room for Greg Bird to slide in there, but it's just, I don't know, something about the Colorado Rockies just screams Greg Bird to me. Something about Colorado and Greg Bird's swing just makes me super happy. Absolutely. You probably have like a, a borderline Hall of Fame career and people are going to be debating at the end of it like, oh, well, it was really just the Coors Field effect. Like that seems like the way Greg Bird's life would go if he goes to Colorado. Oh yeah, absolutely. There's, there's no way around that, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, I would definitely root for Greg Bird to Colorado. So let's see what happens. Absolutely. All right. Well, that's, that's all I got. Uh, do you have anything else Yankees or MLB related otherwise? All I know is that our, our good buddy Shane Green is on the mound right now for the Braves. 
I forgot that he actually turned into a pretty productive player for them last year. He after, did. yeah, I used to make fun of him a lot for we got Didi Gregorius for this guy because <laughs> he had a pretty slow start. But he was he was productive for them last year. I think he was their closer, was he not? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very uh, very successful. Yeah, so maybe maybe still getting going this year because it's the bottom of the eighth and they're down by four. Not exactly a safe situation. Um, right. I mean, we definitely have to have to see what's up. But yeah, no, Shane Green. Let's see, last season still. alone. Do, do, do. Well, oh, last... he just hit Geo. <gasps> no. Yeah, it was an accident. Slider got away from him. It was eighty-five miles sober? an hour. It was an accident. Uh, yeah. Let's see. Oh, oh, got a right in the elbow. Oh, I hate seeing that. Um, yeah, he's probably fine. Uh, also, shout out to Didi Gregorius now that he got that mention. Didi hit a grand slam this week. That man. Mm. Love him. Love Didi. I just love him to death. There's really no way around it. Didi Gregorius is a phenomenal pickup. I'm so glad the Phillies got him with Joe Girardi. I love the fact that he's playing decently. And I get to watch his sweet swing at least a couple times this year. Absolutely. Oh, now we got Glaber Torres. Oh, one for three. He finally got a single today. Oh, it's just tough. It's just tough to watch. I really, he's got to come out of this sooner rather than later. You can see it in his face that he's frustrated. He's yeah. not coming up to the plate with a lot of confidence the way he usually did. Like the way he walked up to the plate against the Orioles last year was, I mean, if I don't hit a home run now, it's basically been a failure today. Right, exactly. I really really hope that, you know, some of these guys pick it up in the Yankees lineup. And I will tell you, I'm looking at this game. I see the Yankees have six runs at the moment. And I'm just thinking, like, Glaber Torres hasn't been hitting. Gary Sanchez hasn't been hitting. Brett Gardner hasn't been hitting. A lot I'm of like, holes in the lineup. Where are these runs coming from? <laughs> yeah, there are a lot of holes in the lineup. And and somehow we just keep scoring runs anyway. Uh, actually, well, the last week has been a little bit slow with the runs. But on that winning streak, I mean, top – I guess Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton were doing most of the damage. Uh, Luke Voigt's in there. He's doing a lot of damage this year. I think he hit his fifth home run yesterday. Mm-hmm. Fifth home run in 15 games. So that's, I mean, that's perfectly fine with that. Um, I'll take it. Well. Yeah, I'll take it. All right. Well, I think that'll that'll wrap us up for the week. I think we're well over an hour. This might be the longest one we've ever done. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's why we were sure. on one and a half speed, at least. One and a half speed. Um, ooh, three, one count for Glaber. All right. Working at bat kid. All right. Well, that'll wrap it up for this week. Uh, leave us a five-star review. Uh, maybe if you want to drop in your favorite Padres player, uh, Jake Cronenworth, then feel free to do that. Join the Padres bandwagon. It's time. Um, or you can just badmouth Gary Sanchez in the, in the review. As long as it's five stars, I don't really care. <laughs> Say whatever you want, I guess. All right. See you next week. All right. Bye.